Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. I wanted to start off and talk about my children growing up in this church. I loved the worship and the freedom because my children enjoyed that worship and freedom. And today in Wisconsin, my son is in the band at his new church, rocking it out on the little drummer boy by King and Country. So praise the Lord for children growing up in church. I homeschooled my children, so that prevented them from bullying and different things that you experience in public schools. But don't you know there are mean children in church too? The two mean things said to my children happened right here in this church. And one was to my daughter, she was 12, a very formative age, and she had just played in the new children's band. She was riding high on that great feat, and someone said, that she was stupid, stupid. And after that, what I had to do, since I homeschooled, I had all of her test scores, and I remember sitting at the top of the steps at our schoolroom, getting out the Iowa test of basic skills and showing her 99th percentile. She was 99th percentile, and telling her, you are not stupid, because that stuck with her. And I even asked her today, How did that change you? And she said, it causes me to focus on my weaknesses and not my strengths. It fed my insecurity. And to this day, she's now working on her doctorate in audiology. And to this day, when she takes a test, I remind her, you're the smartest in the room. I mean, between all of our SAT skills, my husband has a PhD, my son has a master's, she got the highest score. The girl ain't stupid. She ain't stupid. She takes her praxis on Tuesday, which is the big test you have to take um, to practice audiology. And I told her a couple days ago, you'll be the smartest in the room. But don't you know that words stick with you? You know, 10 years ago, a little girl said she was stupid and she still can carry the weight of that. So today what I want to talk about is when we don't like ourselves. Fancy words, self-hatred, spiritual words, self-bitterness. Daniel or Alicia, if you'll put up the slide from um, bitterness, the principality of bitterness. There we go. It's already there. So when I preached a month ago, this is what we learned. We talked about this principality of bitterness, and we probably all thought about other people that needed to hear this message. That's what we naturally think about. But it's when between people, we have unforgiveness, resentment, retaliation, anger, hatred, violence, murder. It builds like a house is built. But today, if you'll do the next slide, Alicia, we're gonna talk about the principality of self-bitterness. It's when you take all of those things and you turn them inward. And so today, you can't think somebody else needs to hear this because we're gonna work on you. We're gonna work on you, and I will be honest, it was a hard week for me, because I always want to share me, so you'll see that I'm working through these things too. And so this week I had to face some failures. There was one thing I wanted to share, and Brian said, I don't think you could share that. It's something that happened 20 years ago, one other person knows besides Brian a major failure that I had. So 
I've had to look at me this week, and I want you as I speak to see, do any of these things apply to me? And when I taught um, a month ago, a reference I had was this book, Biblical Foundations of Freedom, and so some of my material does come from this. So I wanna, um, Art Matthias, so I wanna um, just let you know that. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 22, I'm going to organize my props up here. Not a lot of props today. Just a few. I'll put that there. Matthew 22, beginning with verse 36. And this is where they said to Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the Shema from the Old Testament. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So this is why it's important that we love ourselves. Now I'm not talking about being prideful and haughty and thinking that we are more than we really are. But I'm talking about loving the person that God created with your shape, with your personality. Oh gosh, it's taken me years to like my personality. Years and years I've worked on that. To love your skills and your abilities. To love everything about you. So I just want to ask you today, do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Because there is an epic battle going on right now between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness over whether you love yourself. Because if you love yourself the way Jesus wants you to love yourself because he knows how amazing you are. If you love yourself, you won't be trapped in all the lies that wanna keep you from, from fulfilling your purpose. From, do you think my daughter would have become a doctor in audiology if we had camped on stupid? No. There are things God wants you to do and you've gotta get over the inferiority, the defensiveness, the I'm so stupid, I'm a failure, I'll never be enough. And I'm preaching to myself because that never be enough, that is the refrain that I hear, never enough, never. I'll either be too much or not enough. For some people, I'm too much. If y'all notice, there's no jewelry today. I went plain because I had crazy hair. So for some people, I'm too much. They can't hack me. For other people, I'm not enough. What gives, right? Praise the Lord that he is teaching me and training me to love myself. Because there is an epic battle. Why do we love ourselves? I'm not going to go through these scriptures. They're listed on your handout. God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the word says. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, he said to Jeremiah. Before God formed you in the womb, he knew you, each and every one of you. I'm trying to look in every eye so you will know that God has a purpose and a plan in his kingdom for you, even you. You're not disqualified. We have all made mistakes. And we end up hating ourselves because of them. We have mistakes, we have failures, we have regrets. So just think about over your life. As for me, as I've shared my testimony before, one of my major regrets is, it's just still even hard to say it, but the multiple sexual partners I had between the ages of 14 and 20. And although God has, excuse me, healed me, there are scars, there are still battles, I only have two male friends that I text with because I draw so many boundaries around my life to protect myself. Two male friends and occasionally Mark Lilly if we're, you know, talking about church stuff. But anytime I email my pastor, I copy my husband because I know the devil is always trying to seduce me, always trying to seduce me through words, through music, through video, through pictures, through men running without their shirts in my neighborhood, to be honest. <laughs> the first look is free, the second look is sin. It's, oh my gosh, I'm trying not to look the second time. My husband struggles the same way with beautiful women in convertibles and you know, next to him in traffic. So, right honey, he tells me. So did Chevy Chase, yes. So I have major regrets. Even after I've been saved, I have major regrets as a mother. The thing Brian doesn't want me to tell, and he's right, but it was a major mistake I made as a mother. And when my children left home, I remember Sarah speaking to me when my daughter went to college. I had this fear she would never want to come back home because of the horrible mother I was. Do you remember that, Sarah? It was true. She comes back and I cook for her. So, but I do, yeah, well, I don't do the laundry. Brian might do the laundry, but yeah, he's amazing. So I want to ask you, as you think about your failures, regrets, what about the job that you quit? What about the time that you had an affair, even if it was an emotional affair? What about the expectations that you just failed to live up to? Boy, that should hit all of us. I feel it hitting me. What about the abortion or the failed marriage or your time in jail? We all have these regrets. And what about if you just keep sinning over and over and over again when you don't want to? Have you forgiven yourself? Can you forgive yourself? Because we all mess up, we live in a fallen world. When Adam sinned, we all inherited a sin nature. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to mess up. 
We're gonna fall down steps. We're gonna be late for meetings. We're gonna have wrecks. Things are gonna happen, but can we forgive ourselves? Um, Art Mathias said, when we sin, we must take responsibility for our actions, but we are not our actions. We are not our actions. Then there's the other thing. You know, there are true mistakes that we make, things that we just did wrong, wrong place, wrong time. We just shouldn't have done it, whether it was sin or just something that happened. Because the enemy's always trying to trip us up. But then also, we, we fail, we, we, we don't forgive ourselves when we fail to meet the expectations of others, of what is acceptable. What is acceptable? Because there's standards that either we have for ourselves, others have for us, or even things from the world, social media, standards of education, standards of success, standards of your athleticism, or if you eat healthy food, or if you're keto or not, or what size your clothes are, or what you do in God's kingdom. Beauty, ministry, family. It's when we fail to meet these expectations that, set, that are set by others or the world that we can fall into unforgiveness, where we just can't forgive ourselves. For me, you know, a failure as a mother, it weren't pretty, y'all. It was not pretty. I homeschooled my children. That was, that was not easy. There were days I was like, Lord, let, let them live till Brian gets home. We built a schoolroom. I've said, I've taught this before, but there was the schoolroom door, the bedroom door, my bathroom door, the closet door, and I would put four doors between me and my kids sometimes because it was that hard. The teachers here know teaching is hard. And then even failure as a, as a housewife. There were five years when I struggled with migraines I was sick every other day, and I just couldn't keep up with my house. My kids were putting me in bed. My neighbor was holding a cup up next to my mouth so I could drink. I was that sick, and I just felt so guilty that I couldn't take care of my home. So let's start with just self-unforgiveness. The spirit of self-unforgiveness can just put all of these thoughts on instant replay your failures, there's the, the words, the voices, the sights, and it builds a list. Remember when we um, spoke about the principality of bitterness, I talked about love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and so we have to forgive offense by offense, and it's the same way with this self-unforgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves bit by bit, sinful thought, failure, angry words, everything we have to forgive as we go because the spirit of unforgiveness is just gonna put it all on instant replay. It's like when I put the earbuds in my ears and I'm listening to podcasts in Spanish. When we're listening to the enemy, it's just all of your failures, your mistakes, your regrets, your crimes, everything is instant replay. And so at that point you have a choice of which voice to follow. 
Are you gonna believe the voice of the enemy that is always a voice of accusation? Always, always a voice of accusation. Now there are times we need correction and there are times we truly mess up, but the voice of God is one of mercy that acknowledges our failures but comes with mercy to help us. The voice of God, even in your worst failure, is not an I told you so. It's not one of anger or wrath. The voice of God, when we just, when we acknowledge, God, I really messed up, there's grace and there's mercy. But the enemy is always gonna accuse us. Resentment, self-resentment is the next step. It's the feeling of just resentment plain is a feeling of ill will towards a person. But self-resentment is when you resent yourself. This is when you start to build the court case against yourself. I remember one time I was in Trader Joe's and I ran into somebody that was a Facebook friend and if I don't see somebody for a while, I can't remember their name. Some of you, if I don't see you for a month, your name is just like gone. It's like in Carolina Beach and I have to sit and really think. And so I couldn't remember her name and then I did something else that was ditzy and then by the checkout, you know, I'm always, I just do things wrong and I felt so stupid. I felt stupid and Holy Spirit said, just because you do stupid things does not mean you are stupid. Y'all should repeat that. Say this, just because you do stupid things does not mean you are stupid. That's Holy Spirit, that's his quote right there in the Trader Joe's checkout line. But we start to build this case. Well, I did this and I did that and I failed here and I failed there and I'm just always gonna be a screw up. We build this case and this is self-resentment. We repeat these things. We move from I did something bad to I am bad. We move from I made a mistake to I am a mistake. That's self-resentment. This is where we start to say, I'm just a horrible mother. I'm so stupid. I'm always gonna be a screw up. I'm a failure. Nobody likes me and God can't use me. I mean, that's, you don't like yourself. Self-resentment, ill will towards yourself. You become the voice of the enemy. You're accusing, he's an accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. And when you're accusing yourself, you're just repeating his voice. The next one is self-retaliation. I added self-rejection. And some of these things, some of these terms can be interchangeable. So just have grace with me. But self-retaliation is when we're trying to kind of get back at ourselves. And really how it, how it can manifest from the research I've done is in insecurity and defensiveness. Like we are gonna, we're gonna protect ourselves. Do you know anybody that's defensive? And have you ever been defensive? Because y'all, I have some buttons. I have some buttons. Buttons. Okay, I'll just be honest. My sermon on pride that I preached, it was an awesome sermon. And it was funny. 
And Pastor Tom met me right at the corner and he just said, that was very entertaining. That was all he said. And Lisa has a button. This like, I want to be this amazing preacher. And my pastor just says, that was very entertaining. And that was all he said. Y'all, I was somewhat crushed. I mean, I like to be funny, but I'm more than entertaining, you know? So <laughs> I have buttons. I did. I did. It took a couple days to work through it, but yes, I did. So we all have these areas where we have buttons, and when somebody presses it, it sets us off. And usually we react with anger. If you know somebody with anger issues, there are some areas where they do not like themselves, where they need to forgive themselves, where they need to quit trying to live up to the standards of someone else and forgive themselves and release themselves from that standard. Defensiveness, self-pity, oh my gosh. I have, I have a low tolerance for self-pity, I really do. I'm like, get it, you know, I wanna be compassionate, but some, after a while, after a long while, you just wanna say, just get it together. <laughs> You're okay, what about the martyrs? Oh, well, I just have to do everything for everybody and nobody ever helps me. All of these things come from not liking yourself. It's just insecurity manifesting. Defensiveness, martyrs. And what happens is because we're rejecting ourselves and we're acting in self-pity and like martyrs and defensiveness, guess what? Other people don't wanna be around us. So the very thing that we think nobody likes us, it happens. And we say, see, I told you so. Told you nobody liked me. And we just reinforce the truth that we're believing about ourselves. Just like in um, Job, he said, the thing that I feared has come upon me. And y'all, I have walked through all of this. I have walked through rejection. At this point, I can look in this room and, and and I think most people might like me. <laughs> most, I do have some good friends. I've got a 25-year friend and a 20-year friend and new friends. But I still struggle with, do you like me, Pat? Pat raises, thank you. Some people like me. But I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I walk through this. I do. Now, self-anger, this is a temper tantrum directed at yourself. So I was trying to think, okay, well, where, where am I struggling with um, this temper tantrum at myself? And I, I just really searched my heart and I said, God, you know, what is it that I'm saying over and over to myself? What am I listening to? And what came out was, you're a colossal disappointment. And I thought, that sounds familiar. And so I grabbed my journal from a month ago when I was working on this bitterness, and it said, where do I feel pain? And I wrote, colossal disappointment. Colossal disappointment. Never enough. The temper, temper tantrum to myself is just repeating, I'm never enough. I'm either too much or not enough. Never going to win. 
Has anybody else ever felt like they're not enough? Lord, help us. But that, when we repeat it over and over again, we just quit. Why try? I'm never going to be enough. Why even try? Why even try? We have these tantrum tantrums, and I think at this point, it's where we add the always and the never. I always screw things up. I never do anything right, and I've seen this in other people when I've been with. When they have had a mistake, I have seen their temper tantrum. I am so stupid. I will never amount to anything. I'll never measure up. I'm a horrible person. No one will ever love me, and I'll always be a loser. Always a loser. And then they start just saying this stupid and loser, failure, disappointment. And that's what, if you're doing this, that's what you're preaching over yourself. That's the truth you're trying to declare over yourself. You're believing it in your heart. You're vomiting the enemy's lies all over your life. You're just spewing it out. It's hatred against yourself. Now, we wouldn't spew that hatred against other people. Why would we do it against ourselves? This is why we need to love our neighbor, love ourselves. Proverbs 23, 7, the first part says, For as a man thinks in himself, so he is, so is he. This, um, the word for self here is your inner being. As you think about yourself on the inside, that's what you are. So if you're declaring over your life, believing you're always going to fail, you're always going to fail. If you're always saying, I can't do that, well, you probably never will. Self-hatred. This is where you just keep building these layers, just like in the principality of unforgiveness, you're building these layers bit by bit. This case, a court case against yourself. It takes months and months and months to prepare a court case. And in our lives, we're just adding more, more evidence. See, I told you I was stupid. See, see what I did? I'm stupid, y'all. I am backed my car out of the garage about three weeks ago and hit my side mirror on the garage wall. Not the first time I've done that, but Brian was good. He didn't say, be careful next time. I'm so glad you didn't say that because he knows that's a button, right? That's a button. If I do something stupid, don't say, well, don't do that next time because I know not to do that next time. That's a button. I have some buttons, don't I, sweetie? some buttons, but y'all do too. We all have some defensiveness buttons. Pastor Tom now knows, don't say that was entertaining. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. Yeah, we have some buttons. And see, the thing is, I don't know your buttons. And so when I say something or act a certain way, if I walk by you and don't speak and that's your button, you get hurt. So just to acknowledge, we all have some buttons. And as we get to know each other, we're like, what was it? There's been a couple, but Pat knows not to talk about me in makeup, right, Pat? Yeah. And what was that other thing? You called me, oh, can I tell him what you called me when I wouldn't drive up the mountain? It was a coward. 
Yeah, and I had to tell Pat, because that was a button, and she, didn't, she was joking. But it hit me in a hurt place, in a hurt place. So we don't know the buttons. The good thing with friends is my, my, my therapist taught me, you go to someone and you said, I know my reaction to when you said I was a coward, but what was your intention? And often they're very different. She was just joking because I wouldn't drive up the mountain that was like this <laughs> in my car. I'm stupid. I ain't a coward. Yeah. So anyway, so self-hatred is when you can't stand yourself. You feel worthless. You feel like you're an outcast. This is where you're ready to give up. And y'all, I, um, I have a blog post out there that's, that's called, um, Do You Ever Pray Jesus Take Me Now? If you Google, like, Jesus take me, I'm at the top of your Google results. But what is so sad is that I get a lot of emails from those people that are just done. They're, re they're ready to go. They're just done. And they've fallen all the way down to this self-hatred. They're ready to give up. Hopelessness and despair at this point. You're just done. Self-violence, I believe cutting is a form of self-violence. People that punish themselves and won't eat, or maybe they eat too much, they indulge too much. When you withhold, indulge, you try to punish yourself, self-violence. And then the final one is, is self-murder. This is anger and hatred put into motion when you try to take your life. I've tried. And every now and then I still think about trying. But praise God, I haven't. I know people who have tried, I know people who've been successful. But when you get to this point, you start to think, nobody would care if I died. They would be better off without me. And I truly believe when, when there's a suicide attempt or a successful suicide, at some point that person has either done something, maybe something was done to them, they were the victim, or there was an expectation of them or that the world said that they couldn't live up to and they were just done trying. The hardest thing when you're struggling is to be told try harder. And sometimes that's what happens, and even you know, mental health is a whole other ballpark. There's not always help for people who are struggling with trauma, PTSD, all of these different things. One book that I read, there's, um, it was a counselor, his name is David Paulison. He's now deceased, but he was the executive director of the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. And he summarized self-hatred with three questions. The first is, are you listening to the wrong voice? Are you listening to the voice of the enemy? Is it the voice of a critical human being that the enemy repeats to us over and over? Or the voice of a father who, adjustly, who justly assesses us, this is his quote, for real failings, because we have some real failings, but he does it with mercy. So are you listening to the critical human being 
or the voice of the merciful Father? Which voice are you listening to? Because they're both talking. The yapper seems to yap a little more loudly. We have to get still to hear the voice of the Father. Number two was, are you living according to the wrong standard? The things that we actually condemn ourselves for, are they really wrong? Or is it just some person's standard who we've deemed to be better than us and we're trying to meet their standard? It's hard. It's hard. I've done a lot of trying to meet standards. It's exhausting. And you can never do it. You'll never do it. No matter how much you do, sometimes it's never enough. Never enough. So are you trying to live according to the wrong standard? Wrong voice, wrong standard. And when you think about what, what is God's standard? And it's in the book. And we think, gosh, I could never do all those things in the Bible. I could never do everything God says. But the good news is Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Holy Spirit helps us. When I prayed for patience this morning, I said, Holy Spirit, help me to do what the book says and to be patient. So God's standard is this, but you have a helper. He's called a helper, a paraclete, a counselor, an advocate. You have somebody to help you. So don't say, well, I can't do that either. No, 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 you can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, who Pastor Tom said lives in us, Thanks for smiling and nodding at me. It helps me. I like all the smilers and the nodders and the ameners, and I wish Miss Addie was here. I heard her last week when Pastor Tom was preaching when I watched the video. I'm glad she's better. Are you looking to the wrong Savior? Are you trying to punish yourself for your failures? Or are you letting them rest on the Savior at the cross? Because he died for all your mess-ups. He died for all the mistakes. He died so there would be grace when you mess it up now. He is the Savior. You don't have to pay for all of those sins. You don't have to pay for your mistakes. You don't have to pay. So turn on the um, second sheet. It says Steps to Freedom. Does anybody relate to this? Has anybody ever said, I'm never enough, I'm a disappointment, I'm a failure, I'll never be able to do it? At some point, we all have. So, my first step is if you've messed up, confess it. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. If you've truly messed up, just Confess it to someone and to God. And this is also part of just accountability, is confessing things to other people. Number two is acknowledge, just acknowledge the wrong standards, the rules of acceptability or expectations of others that you've used to measure your life. And then just repent not for failing to measure up, but for trying to live according to the wrong standard. This is our standard, guys. This is the only standard. This is the standard. This is the standard. 
Any other standard is just a worldly thought, a worldly voice. And God's been teaching me, I'm, I'm really learning about what's worldly. I'll look at a picture of a beautiful actress on a magazine cover and I'll think, she's beautiful. And then I'll think, that's worldly. That's worldly. It's a worldly standard. A worldly standard of how healthy or how fit to be, y'all. I don't exercise unless I absolutely have to. I do not like it. I don't live, I'm not a good cook. There are a lot of standards. I'm a housewife that lets my husband do the laundry. There are a lot of worldly standards that we don't measure up to. But when it comes to this, by the grace of God, by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, some days I manage to measure up. But by the blood of Jesus, I'm enough. It's enough. So if you're living to another standard, to somebody's expectation, to who they think you should be, how you should dress, how you should act, where you should go, where you should not go, if you should go to this church or you shouldn't go to this church, whatever, it's the wrong standard. This is the only standard. The rest of it is just somebody's rule of acceptability. Just somebody else's rule. Somebody else's rule. Number three, accept God's forgiveness and mercy for any and all failures and inadequacies. Because we fail, and at times we're inadequate. Just accept his forgiveness. It's there. Pastor Tom said this verse last week and today, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous, some versions say just, so that he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Step four, forgive yourself. Remember, we've been taught forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. I forgive myself for all the times I yelled at my children. I forgive myself for being a controlling, homeschooling mother. I forgive myself for not being able to face autism and not doing all the things that the professionals said I should do to help my son. I just couldn't do it, it hurt too much. I forgive myself. I forgive myself for, if y'all just knew how many times during the week I am binding this and that and this and that, I just forgive myself for the thoughts, the worldly thoughts that come into my mind and that I agree with. I forgive myself for being judge, judging and critical. I forgive myself for condemning myself. So we have to choose day by day, moment by moment, just because you do stupid things does not mean you are stupid. I forgive myself for making that mistake, for backing into the garage. Forgive yourself day by day, moment by moment. And then you have to renounce and break agreement with all these things you've believed about yourself that was said and you've repeated and it's on repeat. Like me believing I'll never be enough. By the grace of God, I'm more than enough. More than enough. Wasn't that the bracelet you gave me, Mary Esther? It says more than enough. Some days I have to, some days I really have to wear that thing. I'm more than enough. Y'all, I'm more than enough. You're more than enough. You're not a disappointment. You're not a failure. You're not a loser. 
You're not a screw up. And we wouldn't be better off if you were dead. We need you. You are the kingdom of God. You are the soldiers in the kingdom of God. You are needed. You have a purpose. And when you're living with this stupid failure, loser, disappointment, round and round, you're just stuck. Get unstuck because we need you. We need you. The one who feels like they're not seen, we need you. We need you. I need you. So we break agreement with these curses we've spoken over ourselves. We just say, in the name of Jesus, I break agreement with the, with the lie that I've said that I'm a colossal disappointment, and I renounce that in the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of self-hatred to leave me now in the name of Jesus, and you can name all of these to whatever order you've gotten to. Tell them to go in Jesus' name. And then speak the truth over yourself. Yeah. Speak the truth over yourself. I'm a, I told, well, this is what I say in my house. I had to preach a woman. <laughs> I'm the preacher woman. I'm the preacher woman. I am not stupid. I'm very blonde and ditzy at times, but I am not stupid. I have the mind of Christ. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a sound mind. Speak the truth over yourself. It's the opposite. If you wanna know what the truth is, it's the direct opposite of whatever the enemy says. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Not failure, not loser, not always messing things up. Goodness and mercy will follow you. Declare the truth. Um, just to help you with some of these steps. How'd I do on those steps, Pastor Tom? Did I do okay? I'm, I'm learning. I'm lear that was not entertaining, he said. That was amazing preaching, Lisa Moore. You go, girl. That's <laughs> He's always encouraging me. Just that button. We have some buttons. But I'm, God healed me. Okay, Pastor Tom's book has these steps. If you, go, if you need some more help, read this. Because there are principalities that are warring against us and trying to keep us from advancing the kingdom of God. And that's what we're here for. So this is a great book. If you need to, call the church office, set up prayer ministry. I remember one prayer ministry where I had to deal with the fact that my waistline was expanding. You know, like, it was really hard to put on these 2019 pants today. My 2021 pants were at the cleaners. I had to shove myself into pre-COVID pants. Some of y'all might understand that. But you know, I had a prayer ministry where the, it was Katie and Chris Snape and they had to teach me that a small waistline does not define you. And that's what I was believing. I was like starving myself. So go to prayer ministry, learn, because people trained for prayer ministry know how to listen to these lies you're believing and, and identifying the traumas that cause them. So we have trained people to help you there. Read the book first, amen, read the book first. And I send this book to people, it's good. The last quote 
is again from Art Matthias, to prevent a root of, and I'm gonna say self-bitterness from springing up, we must learn to forgive ourselves moment by moment, offense by offense. I'm gonna add failure by failure, stupid thing by stupid thing. But just because you do stupid things does not mean you are stupid. Praise the Lord. And that's what I have, Pastor Tom. Would you like to close us, please? Thank you.